I want to continue uh, the thought that I started last week. I told you then uh, that I'm not sure how long that I will stay here in this area, but I, I have some more thoughts that I want to share with you today. Uh, we've been talking about this idea of transitions and how that life changes. Things don't remain the same. They're, they're always changing. And so I want us to look at Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to read once again. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. And if you have your Bible, just wave at me and let me know that you're ready. And here we go. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise Go over the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. And every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. And from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. So be strong and courageous. For you shall call this, cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to the fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have Good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it upon it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then verse 10, it says, and Joshua commanded the officers of the people. Father, thank you for your word. It is a delight to be able to stand before this lovely congregation today and share the things that you've laid upon my heart. I recognize that they're not coming from me, but... I'm simply a conduit through which your word will flow to them today. I pray that as they sense your word coming forth, that they will grasp it, that they will take hold of it, and they will live by it so that they can mature and grow in their relationship with you. I pray that you'll bless each and every individual this, this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready to go, pal. How about you? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Transition. It is a lifelong process that we all go through. We never remain the same. Even those of you, you know, you, you, you probably are shocked that the individual that you married is a different person today than they were when you first married them. I mean, they may have some of the same personality traits, but they have transitioned. They're different. I don't mean that you went out and got another one. One, I mean that they grew and they, they matured. 
And so transition is something that is continually happening in our lives and in our relationships. Let's get started with this statement. Transition is more of a journey than a destination. Let me say that again. Transition is more of a journey than a destination. Now, we are destination-minded people. We, we like to get in our minds what we're doing and where we're going. And then we move toward a particular destination. But how many of you know that oftentimes the destination that we have decided upon never really comes in fullness into our lives? That we find ourselves constantly moving. We may be going this way and that way. We may change our plans as we move through life. But destination, uh, 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 destiny and a destination is God-ordained and we are journeying and we are moving toward it. So there are three things that I want to share with you this morning about this idea of transition. These are very important elements and they are included in everyone's personal journey toward transition. And the first is this. Transition comes through timing. Timing is so important in our lives. There are things that we've been wishing for and hoping for and praying for in our lives that have not yet come into fruition, but it's because the timing is not there yet. God is not surprised by anything that, that affects our journey. I'm thinking about Jamie French down here. Now, uh, we, we just a few days ago congratulated him because he got a promotion at work. He is now a uh, supervisor. Everybody look over here at Jamie. Doesn't he look, doesn't he look like a supervisor? He kind of does. I mean, he looks, he, he's taken on a new, uh, you know, face and, and, and personality. And it's like, I'm in charge now. I'm, I'm in control. I, you know, I'm not some lackey that somebody's telling to do. When I step into the room, everybody says, the supervisor is here. <clears throat> but listen, I've, I've known Jamie long enough to know that he's been through this journey several times over the years. I, I've seen him, and he's texted me and said, I'm, I'm going in for an interview. Will you pray for me? Did you pray this week that the Lord will be with me? And there were other times that he applied for the job, but the timing was not there yet. But when the timing was right, then God opened a door for him to walk through that now is taking him on a journey to a higher level of transition. I have good news and bad for you, news for you, Jamie. The good news is, congratulations, you got the job. The bad news is, is that there's more transition coming in your life because you're going to continue to transition. Timing. Now, as we look at the first few chapters in Joshua, and when we read them carefully, we understand that there are a variety of different timings that are noted in Scripture. For instance, Joshua, we learned last week, was the minister to Moses for 40 years before he was allowed to take his place as commander. 
Now, he had to minister to Moses. Moses was his mentor, and he was the protege. And for 40, probably 40-plus years, he was the protege to Moses. He had to minister to him. He had to do what Moses asked him to do. He had to do what he asked him to do when he wanted him to do it and how he wanted him to do it. And so he had to submit. Now, how many of you know that all of us, without fail, we hate submission? Isn't that true? I don't like to submit. You don't like to submit. But we have to submit to those who are over us in the Lord. I have a new administrative bishop who has just taken the the reins here in Kentucky. I've been his friend for I don't know how many years. I mean, we've played rook together. We've traveled together. We've sang together. We've laughed together. We've had a wonderful time together. And it's hard for me to think in terms of he's my bishop. It's like, I know that your feet stink just like mine do. And I can point out some instances where that was manifested. I know him as a friend, but I also know him as my bishop now. And so he's over me in the Lord just this week. He gave me a call and he said, hey, he said, if you don't mind, he said, I need for you to check on a pastor there in in, uh, Louisville that had to go into the hospital. I can't get there today. And somebody needs to go and visit him. He said, would you be willing to do that? I was busy. I had stuff on my my plate. I was getting ready for a funeral. I was getting ready for a Sunday service. I was doing life like I typically do. I was busy. But my bishop asked me to do something on his behalf. And so I said to him without hesitation, I said, I'll be more than glad to do that. No problem whatsoever. And I had to carve out a couple of hours and drive downtown and go to the hospital and find him and pray with him. Not that I cared at all to pray for him. I was happy to do that. But it was an inconvenience is the point that I'm trying to make. Now, how many of you know that when you're in a position of being a protege, when you're in a position of having to be submissive to someone, there are times that it is not comfortable. There are times that you are required to do things when you really don't want to do those things. Now, let me be very clear now that a mentor, a godly mentor, will never ask you to do anything that is outside of the will of God for your life. So when someone comes and asks you to do something that is inappropriate or something that is contrary to the word of God and the will of God, you have no obligation whatsoever to agree to do that, even though someone is asking you to do so. So there's this mentoring and protege relationship. Now here Joshua is, you would think that he would come in and he would say, you know, Moses, look, Uh, You know, you're getting old and decrepit, and maybe it's time for there to be a transition now because, you know, you are old, you can't get around like, like you used to get around, and maybe it would be really good if I went ahead and stepped in and helped you out. I mean, it would be a blessing to you and the younger people. We'd like to have a younger uh, individual leading anyway. And so why don't we go ahead and make this transition? But the transition did not happen until Moses died. 
And when Moses died, Joshua assumed the position. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Oh, God, we got to have this guy until he dies. He's going to be our pastor until he falls over dead. No, that's not true. But what I am saying is, is that God's timing is what we're looking for and not our timing. So for 40 years, we hear about this mentoring and protege type of arrangement. And then we look at the scripture and we see three days. In chapter 1, the Spirit of the Lord comes and speaks and says, In three days, you will be going across this river. In three days. And then, as it moves toward that time, the Lord speaks to Joshua and says, Tell them to be ready tomorrow. Because tomorrow, we're going to get ready to go across the river. And then when tomorrow came, then the Scripture says that they said, Today is the day. How many people do you know that they're still living just by saying tomorrow, tomorrow, it'll happen tomorrow. I'll do that tomorrow or I'll get ready over the next three days and I'll do it then. Listen, when God's timing is right and the door swings open, there's no need for you to stand back and say, well, maybe 40 years from now or maybe three days from now or maybe tomorrow I'll do that. No, today is the day because the door of opportunity has been opened for you. How many times have we missed God's will because we were unwilling to move today? So timing is important. I look back over my life, and at my age, I can look back now, and I can see the hand of God upon my life. I can put pinpoints, if you will, on the timeline where I see now where God brought about a transition in my life and ministry that I was not anticipating, that I was prepared for, but I could not have declared it to be the day. But now I can look back and see how it happened. There have been times that I was disappointed because I didn't get something I thought I should have gotten. There are times that I, 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 it, it just did not work out. The, the door just did not open. But then on another occasion, a door would open that I was not expecting. You know, when I started in state work, I had no inclination to be at working in the state office. It wasn't I had a bad attitude about it. I just didn't want to do it. I was happy pastoring the church I was pastoring. I was very content. I've told you that story before. I thought life was great. And so I saw no need for a transition until the overseer called and said, I want you to do this. I said, no. He said again, a few, about a week later, I want you to do this. I said, no. And about a week later, he called me again. I want you to do this. I said, no. He said, will you pray about it? I said, no. <laughs> He said, I have no respect for a man of God who will not pray about something. I said, I don't care. I was just in that place in life where I was happy with where I was. But then the convicting spirit of God got on me and said, what if I'm trying to get you to a place that will benefit you and benefit others in a way that you haven't even entertained yet? And so the bottom line is, is that I eventually said yes, and for 15 years, I had to go into a submissive role. 
I had been pastoring. I told the staff what to do and when to do and how to do it, what day of the week that I wanted it done. And I liked pastoring. I enjoyed that. But when I moved into the state office, I had an overseer who told me what to do and when to do it and how to do it and what day of the week and how much money I could spend. And I knew that. And that's why I kept saying, no, 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 no. But God had a door that he wanted to open for me. And for 15 years, I had to put myself under someone else's authority and carry out their vision instead of trying to obtain my own vision. So what I'm telling you is, is that timing is everything. Secondly, I'd like for you to see today that not only is timing important, but tempo is important. Now, when I talk about tempo, I'm talking about rhythm, the rhythms of life. You know, most people I know like to have a good rhythm happening in their lives. They, they like to know that the tempo is playing out just right. If you know much about music at all, you know that there is a proper tempo. There is a proper rhythm that we are, you are supposed to perform a song at. Now, when, when Miss Donna downloads these uh, chord charts from the, from the companies that we get our music from, up at the top, it will say uh, B, what is it? BPM is what it is. Beats per minute. So if it says 75 beats per minute, that's the tempo, that's the guideline, that's the rhythm in which that song sounds the best. Some of them are faster, some of them have more beats per minute. But what they're saying is that if you will maintain this rhythm and maintain this beats per minute suggestion and guideline, the song will sound as it was designed to sound. Now, I would like to suggest to you today that each of us have a BPM, that each of us have a rhythm by which we uh, live life, and we are at our best when we are operating in that tempo and in that rhythm. Now, I'm the kind of guy that if I'm going to go, I want to get it done. It's, I, I just, I'm ready to go. You know, I just need to get on with it. If I'm going to walk from here to there, I want to get on with it. I just, let's do this thing. Let's get it done. I know other people, though, that are like, they just piddle along the way. You know what I'm saying? It's just kind of like, they just barely moving. And, and did you ever be walking with somebody like that? And it's like, okay, couldn't you pick it up just a little bit? Couldn't you walk just a little faster? Couldn't you just move in the same direction with me? Let me tell you, life throws you curveballs. And sometimes you got to slow down. Sometimes you got to change the rhythm. But rhythm is important. You say, no, what does that have to do with the scripture? Well, I, I underlined in my scripture some things, my, my verses. The first thing is, as he says, the word of God I'm giving you, he said, you should meditate on it day and night. Now, some people translate that day and night as simply saying, okay, I do it in the morning, I do it at night, and then I'm done. Thank God, I don't have to read any more scripture today. 
I don't have to think about it anymore. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that you need to digest the Word of God and let it become a part of who you are so that no matter what you're doing and no matter where you are, that it becomes a part of who you are. And so whatever you face and whatever you're up against, there will always be a passage of Scripture, a word from the Lord that will pop up in your mind and in your spirit that will give you the information and the knowledge and the understanding that you need in that given moment. And so it said, meditate on it day and night. Let it become who you are. Let it become who you are known as. Let it become part of your person so that you can walk in it, you can talk in it, you can activate the miracles of God in your life by the word of God. You will overcome by the word of your testimony, amen, and by the blood of the Lamb. So what are you testifying today? What's coming out of your mouth? What are you meditating on? Sometimes we just got to take control of our brains. How many of you would agree with that? Sometimes we just got to say, that's, that's wrong thinking. Zig Ziglar says it like this. We got to do a checkup from the neck up to eliminate stinking thinking. I like that, don't you? We got to do a checkup from the neck up to eliminate stinking thinking. Now, all of us have had days when our thinking was stinking. And with, how's that going to change? How will it change? It only changes when we make up our mind. I'm not going to let that thought take up residence in my mind. Instead, I'm going to meditate on what God says. I'm going to meditate upon what the Word of God says. I'm going to meditate upon what Jesus has said to me. I want to meditate upon what the Spirit of God says to me. I am who He says I am. I am not who the enemy of my soul says I am. And I have a choice today to choose the report of the Lord. Amen. So he says, meditate day and night. Keep the rhythm going. I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want anybody to raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. And don't look at your spouse. But just honestly, let me ask you, when's the last time that you looked at Scripture beyond when you were in this house with me? When's the last time that you picked up your Bible or opened up your phone or looked on your iPad and said, Lord, I want to read your scripture. I want to read the word of God. I want to meditate on it day and night. Look, I get it. You can't read 24 hours a day. You can't just walk around where you work and, and, and do your chores at home. And to, you'll just have to wait just a minute because I'm reading the word of God. Listen, you'll get fired in a heartbeat. But you see, when we have opportunity to digest the Word of God and put it in our spirit and let it transfer from the pages of the book into our mind, then in the moment that we need it, we will be able to meditate upon it and activate it in our lives. So he said, meditate upon my Word day and night. And then he says, don't depart from it. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean, well, I'm supposed to read the Bible all the time and never depart from it? No, that's not it. What, what he's saying is, is do not change it. Don't change the Word of God. 
They say, well, I don't really believe that it means that. I, I, you know, I think, what I think is this. Listen, we've got to learn to trust the Word of God. We've got to learn to trust the truth of the Word of God even when it cuts us wide open. Because one of the functions of the Word of God is that it will, it will cut us apart. It will separate us from our human thinking and it will give us access to our spiritual thinking. You know, I've discovered in my life that it's not that hard to know when I'm thinking like the world would think. It, it doesn't take analysis on my part. Because I can at this point in my life, and I'm not bragging, but I'm just saying I've lived this life long enough now to know <coughs> that that attitude is a wrong attitude. I've lived long enough to know that if I don't forgive this individual over here, that that's wrong of me. How can I be forgiven by God if I won't forgive this one over here? Say, why would you say something like that? Because that's what the Word of God says. How can I expect to be forgiven by Jesus if I'm not willing to forgive those who are around me? So you see, we get the Word of God in us and we don't depart from it. The most difficult decision that you may ever have to make in your life is when you decide to take a step of faith and trust God at His Word when you don't feel like doing it. You've tried every way you can to change it You've negotiated with God. You've written it down and said, okay, God, I'm willing to negotiate with you. I'll do part of that, but I'm not going to do all of it. I, I'll do just a bite of it over here, but I'm not, I'm not going to do it all. I'll get saved, but I don't want to be filled with the Holy Ghost because I've seen that, and that looks weird to me. I, I've seen people do weird stuff under the influence of the Holy Ghost. I've seen them roll, I've seen them flip, I've seen them go crazy. I've seen their hands stand straight up, their hair stand straight up. I've seen old women with bobby pins flying out like bullets from a Gatling gun. I've seen all kinds of stuff when people get filled with the Holy Ghost. But can I tell you that God never intended for your bobby pins to fly out of your hair when you get filled with the Spirit? That has absolutely nothing to do with the purpose of the Spirit of God living in us. So if we understand what the purpose is, then we can say, well, God, even though there have been some uh, who have taken things out of context and added to and created their own mindset around this concept, Lord, I want to have the knowledge and the understanding and the wisdom that I need to have to understand this concept. He says, don't depart from it. Don't change it. <clears throat> then I remember that he said concerning tempo, do you remember when he told them when they were going to Jericho? He said, seven days. He said, don't do it before. He said, for six days, I want you to walk around Jericho. Don't say a word. I started to say there probably weren't any women in the group, but I thought, I better not say that. So you act like I didn't say that, okay? Shoot, I know some men that can out-talk a woman any day of them the week, don't you? He said, I want you to walk around Jericho and not say a word. 
Do you know how weird that is? It just doesn't make any sense at all. Isn't that weird? Some of you were thinking, why did I choose to come to this church today? Dude just wasted a minute of my life that I'll never get back. Six days, God said, just walk around. Don't make any noises. Don't make any sounds. Don't threaten them. Just walk around for six days days. And then he said on the seventh day, I want you to walk around seven times. But six times, I want you to be quiet. I don't want you to say anything at all. But on that seventh time, man, I want you to have a Holy Ghost hold down. I want you to make more noise than you can think of making because it is in that moment. It is in that tempo. It is in that rhythm that I intend to send my spirit that will cause the walls of Jericho to fall flat before you and you'll be able to walk right through. Some of us just need to learn how to shut up. Oh, I'm sorry. I take that back. Erase that from the tape. Some of us just need to get quiet. Sometimes we just need to let the rhythm Take us. Rhythm is going to get you. The rhythm is going to get you. The rhythm is going to get you. Sorry, I don't know where that came from. The rhythm of life. The rhythm, we get frustrated with the rhythm of life because we want what we want now when we need to be waiting upon the proper timing so that when God's Spirit moves, it will be the right time in the right place and bring about the right resolve to that situation. Seven days at Jericho. And then I noticed this week about the failure at AI. How, how many of you have ever read about AI? You know, they, they went to Jericho, and you know the story. I mean, those walls... They fell flatter than a pancake because of the power of God. And they walked over those walls with no effort, no problem whatsoever, conquered Jericho. But when AI came up, which was the next community that that they were to overcome, they got a little bit too big for their britches. And you know what the difference was? When they were getting ready to go into Jericho, they spent a lot of time praying they, they spent a lot of time trying to pick the mind of Jesus, of God, and saying, what, what do we need to know about this situation? What do we need to know here in this? And God spoke to them, and God gave them clear direction. But when, when they finished that victory, Jericho didn't pray, or excuse me, Joshua did not pray about AI. He didn't ask God his opinion. You can read it for yourself this afternoon. He had no interest in prayer. 
he got out of the rhythm because he thought, I can do this without having to bother God. Have you ever felt like you could handle something without bothering God? Can I tell you that you're not bothering God? God cares about every detail of your life. He doesn't want you to hold back secrets or refuse to ask about certain things. He is concerned about you. He wants to know. He'll give you the wisdom that you need if you'll ask him. The scripture says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not or refuses to give. He will give it to you. But if you get in this mindset that I can handle this one, this is small beans. I can do this. You'll get yourself in trouble. Because what happened was, is that Joshua said, Ai is just this small little city. There aren't very many people there. And they're not known for their ability to do warfare. We can wipe them off of the math, uh, the map very quickly. This is no problem at all. And so instead of going in with his full army, you know, Joshua just sent a few people up there. He said, just take a few guys and go up there and whip them real good and come on back. You'll be back before supper's over. But if you know the story, they went up there and they started smarting their mouth off at AI. Yeah, we're getting ready to take you down and all that kind of stuff. And, and they, AI came out and whipped them, made them run like little babies. They could not whip AI. What happened? They interrupted the rhythm of God in their lives with their own ideas about what would work. And when they interrupted the rhythm, it caused God to stand back and say, okay, this is your choice. This is what you want to do. You're going to have to pay the consequence. Now, again, no hands and don't look at your spouse. But how many of you ever had to pay a consequence Because you were unwilling to let God do what God wanted to do in your lives. The answer to that is probably all of us have been that way. So there's failure at AI because they interrupted the flow and the rhythm of God. Did you know that medical professionals now will say to you that one of the most important things and aspects of your health is living in rhythm? is living with a routine. Go to bed at the same time. Get up at the same time. Eat at the same time. Do what what you are doing in a routine because it's healthier for you. Now, I know that there are people in this world saying, I'm just just stubborn and and independent and I don't want to be like everybody else. I'm going to do it anyhow. Well, go ahead. I don't know what to tell you. All I know is, is that the evidence not only naturally and physically, but spiritually suggests that there is a rhythm of life. There is a tempo that God wants us to walk in that will produce health, not only to our bodies, but to our spirits. That's why we're told in scripture to gather ourselves together in the house of the Lord, instead of just taking breaks. Because the rhythm brings strength. And then I'm, I'm ready to close. There's one other thing. There's timing. There's tempo. And then we have to take into consideration that there is godly training in our lives. 
Now, I know that some of you think you're very smart, but you're not as smart as you think you are. And I, there are days that I think I'm pretty smart. And then I discover that I'm not as smart as I think I am. And I've discovered that throughout life, we're being trained today for tomorrow's circumstances. We're being trained today for what we will face tomorrow. Now, here's the process where God wants us to be. How many of you know that when you were born, you were born as a dependent individual? You were dependent on other people. You were dependent upon your mom. You were dependent upon your dad. Man, you couldn't even change your diaper without somebody doing it for you. You could not eat unless someone put you in their arms and held a bottle for you. You could not do anything at all because you were dependent. And you say, well, that's a good thing, right? Because didn't the Lord say, without me, you can do nothing? Yes. But we must misunderstand what he's saying there. Because he's not saying that, you know, you can do anything. I'll do it for you. What he's trying to show us is is that if we will allow him to have access to our lives and give us the knowledge and the understanding and the wisdom that we can obtain from him, then we can do anything. But without that knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, we can't do anything. So we're dependent. After you're born, your parents start trying to get you independent as quickly as they can. Not long into the life of a child, as you're holding them, you start teaching them that they can hold their own bottle, that they can put their hand up there and they can hold it in place. And so they learn that they can hold their own bottle. As they get older, they get potty trained and they discover that they don't have to wear a diaper anymore. Some of you are still learning that lesson, but they learn that there is a proper procedure for potty training. And it's not long before they discover, I don't have to have mom and dad to help me do this. I can do this myself. You teach them how to open up a package of Pop-Tarts, you only have to teach them one time because after that, they'll know how and they'll open them up every day of their lives. We teach them to move from being dependent to being independent. But here's the problem. A lot of people like being independent. Oh yeah, I can do my own thing. Come on, start playing or else I'll, I'll stay here too long and get myself in trouble. I can do my own thing. I'm, I'm an independent person. Nobody's going to tell me what to do and how to do it, what to say and when to say it. I am an independent individual. I am woman, watch me roar. I know a few men that like to sing that song too. We brag about our independence. Don't tell me what to do. I'm not going down to that church. That pastor just tell me what to do. So I'm not going to tell you what to do. You do whatever you want to do. I just feel sorry for you if it doesn't line up with scripture and the word of God because you can't be blessed. I'd like to tell you how you could be blessed. 
Because if you can pick up on the fact that this preacher is not railing against you and your activity and trying to tell you how to live, I don't come to your house and peek inside your windows and see what you're watching on your TV. I don't, I don't follow you around town and see where you're going. That's not my job. My job is to preach the word of God and pray that it lands in your spirit in such a way that you'll say, you know, I believe that's truth. And because I believe that it's truth, I'm going to move my life in that direction so that I can be blessed. There's a final stage that many of us never get to, but it is where we need to get to if we're going to be the most effective in life. It's not dependence, even though we do depend on God. It's not independence because if we're not careful, independence can turn into rebellion. Which the scripture says is the same as witchcraft. So dependence, independence, and then interdependence. That's where we need to be. I've never heard that word before, interdependence. Look it up in the dictionary. It's there. It's the place of maturity where we can live, where we understand that I'm not this independent rogue out there just doing whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, however I want to do it. And I'm not this dependent little baby that doesn't know how to do anything, but I am interdependent because I have become a partner with God and the body of Christ. I'm dependent upon him, yes. But God's not going to do for you what you can do for yourself. Back to the forgiveness. I know I need to forgive this person. But I don't think I want to. So God, why don't you just forgive them for me? Oh God, I need to forgive them. I, I need for you to forgive them for me. Because if I have to forgive them, I might have to apologize. I might have to say something out of my comfort zone. God, if I have to do it, it's going to be uncomfortable for me. And I know that you don't want me to be uncomfortable. Yes, he does. He didn't call you to be comfortable. You've heard me say it. He called you to be conformable to his word and his will. So instead of saying, God, why don't you do it for me? An interdependent person says, God, in my own flesh, I can never forgive that individual. What they did to me was so wrong and so bad that in my flesh, there's not a way in the world that I can do it. But God, I was the same way in your eyes. And because you forgave me, and I can understand how you could forgive a sinner like me and provide grace to me when I did not deserve it because of what you've done for me and the power of God that lives in me. I can forgive the unforgivable action that was done against me. I can do it. You see, what I'm trying to tell you today is on this journey to transition. There are stages of life that we have to go through. It's very natural for a newborn baby to be dependent. 
It's very natural for a young Christian to be dependent upon others. I don't, I don't know how to live for Christ. I, I, I don't even know where to start in the Bible. And you know, most young Christians, they always start in Genesis chapter 1. Wrong. Skip over the whole entire Old Testament until you become mature in Christ. Go over to John and read Read about the grace of Jesus Christ. Stay out of Genesis. Do not, under any circumstances, go to Deuteronomy. Don't do it. Blow your mind. You'll think this whole thing is just a big cult. It's not. But you see, you need information. You need somebody to help you. You're dependent in that stage. And then I always get tickled at this stage. People come up to me. I've been serving the Lord for a lot of years. People that just come into the Lord and start their relationship, and all of a sudden, they want to tell me how, how it is. I was reading the Word this week, and here's what it said. And you're anti-Word. And you, it's like, did you even catch the context of the passage of Scripture that you were reading? Do you even know what it is? I just let the Holy Ghost tell me. The Holy Ghost can tell you, but he will also use mature Christians to speak into your life and give you the guidance that you need that will carry you through your times of transition to a place of maturity. Let me just tell you, when you're feeling that spirit of independence on you, bless God, I'm my own thing and I'm my own dude and I can do whatever I want to do. You better start praying and say, God, get that out of me fast. Get it out of me quick. Well, pastor, I thought it was a good thing to be independent. No, no, no. It's just a phase you're moving through. It's okay that you don't do all of the, you know, pretty little things that everybody else does. But your goal should be not to be on your own, independent of the power of God, independent of the body of Christ. But your goal should be to connect up with the living God and allow Him to be the one that you rely upon, interdependent interdependent and so the words that we pray begin to sound something like this Lord it's not about me it's always about you it's not about what I want it's about what you want it's not about my plan it's about your plan so this journey takes us through dependence It takes us through independence and it takes us through interdependence where we take the hand of the master and we walk together with him through life. Look at your neighbor. Just look at him for just a minute. Do you know who you're sitting by? Oh, you you probably thought, well, that's my husband, that's my wife. You may have called them by their name. Oh, that's, that's Donna. And she looks back and says, Yo, that's, that's old Rob up there. Been knowing him for a long time. That's not what I'm talking about. We, together, are the body of Christ. We are the representation of Christ. 
the church is the conduit through which his spirit flows into the world in which we live. And though we are not perfect, we are moldable according to the will of God. Can I tell you that after Joshua was soundly defeated at Ai, he got back into rhythm. He said, boy, I messed that one up big time. My selfishness got in the way. My independence got in the way of my interdependence. I should have known that I alone could never do what I thought I could do. But with the power of the Lord, I can do all things. Interdependence. Stand with me this morning, if you will. I would like, I'm going to ask you to do something. I don't do it very often, but.